My name is Sam Jenks, and welcome to another episode of The Way We Source, a podcast hosted by Kodiak Hub, where we share our talks with procurement practitioners, leaders, experts, consultants, content gurus, and people that we find downright inspiring, diving into the role that sourcing and procurement plays in the way that we live. If you like today's episode, make sure to rate the program and give us a follow. And today, we have the pleasure of hosting a seasoned and accomplished procurement and supply chain exec bringing with him to today's program nearly 30 years of experience as a practitioner in the procurement and supply chain space, serving as in businesses such as Eni, Alcoa, and most recently, the former VP of Global Procurement at Amcor, Francesco Basoli. Francesco, welcome to the show. Thanks, Sam. Thanks for the opportunity. Yeah, we're I, st- I like the accomplished more than the season, but, <laughs> but thanks. <laughs> No worries, no worries. What is what does seasoned mean to you? No, just joking. No worries, yeah. no worries. We Pleasure want to... for being for being here. Thanks for inviting me. It's uh, procurement and sourcing is a great passion of mine. So it's I'm I'm glad to be to be invited and having an opportunity to speak to you today. We look forward to the episode as well, and 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 that transitions nicely into a question that we ask a lot of our guests. What exactly does this space that you've been in for quite some time now, Francesco, mean to you of, of, of sourcing and procurement? Sure. So um, I think very few of, of the people in my role have studied procurement. So most of us probably get into procurement at some stage through different venues. And then a lot of us then became passionate about it and then uh, probably they make their own career in procurement and they would never leave it. So first for me, procurement and sourcing is is a great passion. I've been here, as you said, for 20 plus years. Uh, I, I really enjoyed it. I'm an engineer, so I started probably in a, in, a, in a different space and I started working as an engineer, but then slowly transitioned into sourcing. But the second part that I say normally, it's it's a very critical function in, in many companies. I come from a world where when a crisis comes, the first person to, to be invited in the CEO room is, uh, is the CPO. And, mm. and, uh, and then he's asked, uh, how can you save the company? Now I'm making it a little more emphatic than it should. But definitely, it's it's a very critical function for the company. Sometimes one of those functions that is not recognized as, as others. And uh, and I think the third one probably that uh, that maybe gets too close to the role is it's an opportunity to find partners. I think we when you are in procurement mm-hmm. you you manage the interface with the market and then you you really have to pick partners as much as our sales colleagues would do on their end. But uh, it, it's a, it's a very important role to choose partners that will help any company to become successful in future. So I look at this probably in three ways. It's, it's a fantastic insight and, and a, great, a great answer to start things off. When it comes to the elements related back to procurement and sourcing, being kind of the little brother or sister in the organization, not being seen as somebody that's making a real value, you said it yourself. And of course, you've worked in, in industries that, you know, it's, it's, it's heavy industrial industries, direct materials have a lot of meaning to, to the bottom and top line of the business. So obviously, those partnerships that you're forming are incredibly important. Why is it that procurement and sourcing has gotten this rap as being, you know, kind of seen as a, a secondary function within the organization when in, in, in essence, especially in industries that you're from, it is so vital to the business? 
It's a great question. I think many of us ask ourselves this question every morning. Uh, and <laughs> it, listen, I think uh, it's a fact, uh, and it's not a sad fact that most of the CEO, most of the senior leaders, they look at growing companies. Mm-hmm. Most of the CEOs are paid for increasing the share value, and uh, and normally uh, they will look at the opportunity to increase the top line. So sometimes some of the less, uh, let's say, let's say the the some of them would be looking at procurement as a, as as an important function, mm. but probably not the top priority. Mm. Um, I, I have met uh, all kind of CEOs, and some of them actually look at it very differently. But in many cases, for me, and one of the reasons why we're looking at procurement that way is that. It doesn't uh, thrill investors normally. It doesn't thrill uh, shareholders. It, it, and in many cases, is not as critical as sales, for instance, in terms of growing the top line, which is an important factor for share value. So it's uh, it's the way it is. Um, I, I also, though, uh, met and worked with uh, a number of CEOs who would uh, translate uh, procurement performance into share value, mm-hmm. into cents per share, and and that makes our life so so much different. And uh, and then uh, so you do see all kind of range. But I think if you look at um, if you look at procurement, sometimes is is looking in a more tactical way, and that's for me the reason why. It's not all always the same, but uh, in many cases, I believe this is the reason. Mm. Yeah. Interesting insights. What you said yourself, you come from an engineering background. Do you think that that has given you a unique entry point into the sourcing procurement space? I think one important factor for me in procurement to be successful is <clears throat> is looking at the procurement function not as a standalone. Sometimes we tend to we tend to look at that as you know the beginning and the end of the day. While I look at procurement as uh, as an important partnership function, mm. where you partner with um, engineers, with the production manager, even with sales, with finance, so because procurement, you, you in procurement you buy um, material services, you connect yourself to uh, partners. You have an open window to the buy market. Mm. And and then you have a duty to also bring that buy market into into the company. So to answer your question, I think definitely it gave me uh, the insight on how engineers and production manager, which was my background, think about uh, and uh, and and help me to understand how to better partner with them because you you you're really serving them and you should really have the mentality of. My job today is actually serving those important stakeholders, but also challenge them in the way they do things and offer them option uh, to be more successful at what they do. When I when I said before, you know, I come from a company where the CEO would call me uh, first when mm-hmm. when the crisis comes. It is it was true for me in, in for instance in the Alcoa times, and he would always ask, you know, give me option, give me tools to reduce my cost basis and I will you know discuss and see how can I make that happen because all those tools all those options normally come 
with the, a risk attached to it. Mm. So you need to look at yourself as a business partner and knowing how the other party thinks is critically important to succeed in, in a functional life procurement. Mm. Fantastic uh, response. And also so important to, to push at, you know, you are, as you said, the open window to the buying part of the business, but also the spider in the web that's able to connect partners, whether those be internal, but also external partners in the, in the form of suppliers. Super interesting. And you brought up some of your previous experience at a business such as Alcoa. You've yourself, from the businesses you've been at, any uh, Alcoa, Amcor, made some shifts it's pretty significant shifts in industries. Again, always primarily working within rather industrial companies with a focus on you know where where, where the raw materials have a uh, and or products and services that you're pr- purchasing have a have a real impact on you know uh, from a quality and sustainability perspective and alike. So there are some red threads between those industries, of course. But uh, of course, oil, mining, and metals, and and then also now then your most recent in, in packaging. I mean. How do you resonate uh, of what it is that you could take from each industry into the next industry that you you work within? Sure, I think it's it's a great question, and um, there are certainly uh, a lot of commonality and a lot of distinction point in each of the industries. If you compare, for instance, metals mining and packaging, probably in terms of commonality, the few things that come to mind are. The fact that the cost of revenue is uh, is very important. Mm-hmm. So you procurement manage 60-70% of the, the revenue fundamentally. And, uh, and so it's so critically important. If you look at the structure of what you buy, again, the raw materials are um, 70 to 80% portion of that. Mm-hmm. So very, very important. Um, and, and that goes back to the partnership, you know, choosing the right raw materials, it becomes so critically important for each of the company. Partnering between the internal stakeholders and your suppliers becomes so critically important. Mm-hmm. So definitely, if, uh, metals and mining is, is upstream. So it's, it's um, one of the differences, though, if you look at packaging, packaging converts raw materials into products so normally make a margin on the conversion part so it's a fairly stable business fairly fixed mm. commodity market now it, it floats with the, with the market indices so it's very unstable so you you are uh, sitting in a role where the cost of your uh, of your goods can fluctuate dramatically so as much as the revenue right so the structure of the two businesses is very different while probably the cost, uh, the way how you buy and uh, the composition of your uh, of, of, the, of the goods and services that you buy is very similar. Uh, in terms of uh, in terms of other differences is uh, is the is mentality for me. Um, commodity companies for me have been intensely investing in procurement and uh, and, uh, and ensuring that they have an incredibly competitive cost structure. Mm. Uh, so they have been certainly investing in technology, in capabilities, in, um, in standardization, invested in simplification of the processes. Right. In my experience, the packaging industry, so midstream, has, has, has more invested into the product side and, and in being closer to the customers and offering 
flexibilities to customers, which brings complexity to procurement. So when you, when you buy for a commodity company, you have done many years of simplification. So you have reduced the number of products that you buy, the services that you buy, you, you have uh, standardized the, um, the service uh, agreement while on the on the midstream businesses probably you're still facing uh facing a, a a set of product that you buy in a in a in, in, in a dramatically different mm. complexity and so your effectiveness is very very different you know you as a buyer you tend to commoditize what you buy you tend to simplify you tend to tend to create that value through simplification and buy and creating competition on, on what you buy in an environment like the midstream or the packaging one where you, you, you cannot, you haven't yet simplified what you buy. You still, um, you still have to pay a premium for the complexity mm-hmm. that you have in your portfolio. So I think there are uh, some obvious commonality and some obvious differences. Yeah. Um, and, um, and it's and it's not related to people capabilities more related no. to how the companies manage and how the company creates value to the shareholders um, but you can start seeing you know one where procurement is so central and and the other one where procurement is still very important but probably follows more the revenue side of the business the one thing that's 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 obvious though is is that you know you've dared to change context a few times and i think that is one of the aspects that's very interesting it is of course interesting to be able to see where you can take experience from your previous and and the differentiations between the two just on the piece of changing context which i'm sure that some of our listeners are interested in doing and or are 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 you know down the line probably going to 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 meet within their career as a as a fork in the road first and foremost a, a two-pronged question then is it challenging to 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 shift industry and then the second part of that is do you have any words of advice or encouragement for any of our listeners that are out there that would maybe themselves want to be able to change uh, industry themselves. Absolutely. So a short answer. It is challenging. Yes, it <laughs> yes. is. Okay. Of course, it's it's challenging, but it's also tremendously interesting <laughs> because in the end, you you will need to look at the world in a different manner. Mm. Uh, and again, first thing you need to think about is what is the business priority. You you're not doing procurement on your little mountain. You are. A partner in in a value creation chain. So certainly, it's important to understand what is important to the business. Mm. Uh, it is important to bring your experience and challenge things, the, the things you do. I think one of the role that we tend to forget sometimes in procurement is to be a challenger. Is to is to continue to bring opportunities. I've seen a new material. I see a new service. I, um, I I've seen different ways to operate. Um, in other companies, in our suppliers, in our clients. So it's an important role. And, uh, but I think we need to do it in, um, in, in a manner where uh, we, it's a two-way conversation with our internal stakeholders. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we try to sit on there, to put, put ourselves in their shoes and then, and then try to have this conversation about offering opportunities, but also listening to their challenges. It's, it's, Listen, I, for, 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 if you look at my career, I've been changing many perspectives. So I am actually excited by change. Uh, 
Mm. I think uh, people who have uh, uh, work in different domains, in different contexts, in different industries, uh, should actually challenge themselves, even, even with lateral moves, to look at the world very differently. There's, a, there's a, um, an enormous amount of experience and competences that you grow by uh, looking at the world differently and looking at the function in a different manners. Um, so I think it's, um, I think for all the people who are thinking about it, I would encourage them to, to do it, do it in a calculated manner. There's always some risk, but definitely it is, uh, it is challenging, mm. but it's also very fulfilling. Uh, once you, once you can bring your experience, once you can bring your knowledge and once you can merge it with, uh, with the one of the new company where you're working and, uh, and you certainly will bring something new in your baggage and then, uh, and offer something to mm. to your new employer. So I think it's a, it's a great opportunity. The roles, if you think about, are are very similar, but how you do it is tremendously different. And so, uh, in just by tweaking it, I think uh, we'll create a much more rounded professionals by having seen the the function in in different in different companies. Yeah, it's a great, great, great bit of advice. And I mean, daring to change it, your current context, you do have to challenge yourself. One of the things that you, you mentioned there, though, of course, is that there is a calculated risk involved. And of course, uh, procurement professionals are, are often pretty pretty decent at, at being able to to address averse averse risks, right? So I, I think that uh, those that are, are, are interested in change, uh, they could be able to calculate challenge and, and, and change the context. So it's, it's great advice. And thanks for sharing that as well, Francesco. I want to shift gears a little bit and, and talk a little bit more about you know something that I know that you're passionate about. Your LinkedIn profile describes you as a sustainable supply chain influencer. Uh, can you describe what exactly do you feel like the, the mega trend of sustainability means for uh, procurement as an industry moving forward, but also uh, for, for the practitioners uh, of uh, procurement? Sure. And thanks for the question. I, I, I am very passionate about sustainability. The first thing is probably everyone who has been pretending procurement and sales meeting, uh, I've been talking about sustainability more than price in the past uh, two, three years. Mm. Uh, but then probably the actions are very different. <laughs> then <laughs> yeah. when, uh, when the action became relevant, then we only talk about price and, and very little about sustainability. Sustainability is, is, is a mega trend that it's coming forward. It's already there. And, and then companies are very aware that will have an impact on the way they will um, operate in the next few years. Right. Of course, probably today, there's a, there's a little more um, theory than, than practice, but definitely it's, it's a very important um, element that we need to consider. Um, sustainability as, as a, starts as a, as a company priority and, and not as a procurement priority. But as procurement is, again, is the window to the supply market, I think there's a, there's a very important responsibility there yeah. for procurement prediction. And the first is to influence your supplier. Normally, and then pick one element of the big sustainability aspect, which is the environmental part, if you look at the scope three emissions or so carbon emission, normally 80% of the emission come from the, the material that we buy. So you procurement practitioner, you are influencing that part. And uh, 
but your company will never succeed unless you are successful in influencing the supply. Right. So first is you, you have an important role in influencing the marketplace and your suppliers in making sustainability a priority. Well, the second though is, is again, bringing practices, bringing knowledge into, into your company, because in the end, normally the, the consumer are those who are running the show and those who probably will have to bear some of the costs of sustainability. And so normally the, the, the sustainability agenda is set by, by the sales uh, colleagues. But you, but you in procurement, you, you are interfacing a much larger market where things happen, where best practices are happening, where, you know, where you can learn from consultants from the whole marketplace about what good can be done in, in, uh, in sustainability. So I think you have those at least two important duties uh, that, um, that, you, that you have to uh, bring forward. And, you know, and then I can go on and on in, in, in each of them, but yeah. definitely it's, it's very important that procurement practitioner remember their duty. Your duty is not to buy cheap, but it's also to bring those that depth from, from the marketplace into your company. Mm. Um, and then I think we have a duty also because of the luxury to interface the market to be a little ahead of the company in terms of practices, a little pushy. Um, one of the one of the natural uh, elements of procurement is is always being a couple of steps ahead of the company because anything we buy right now will be used in six months or a year. Right. And uh, and definitely, you know, if you if the company sets certain targets in five years, we have to think right now what needs to happen to make those tar targets possible in terms of sourcing, in terms of influencing your supplies, in terms of building the supply chains. So I think it's, it's I think actually procurement is, is really well positioned uh, for, for influencing um, the supply chain. Yeah. And then to think forward uh, on how needs to be done, uh, what needs to be done and when to, to be able to achieve a, Companies targets and and I think um, that that you hit on something so 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 central there right y you are in a position of power and influence right you hold spend uh, within a multinational organization when 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 the context at least that you've been coming from and many of our listeners and and there is a great a great bit of of responsibility that comes with that obviously working in math multinationals throughout your career you probably have a decent you know view of this but I'm just curious like. How can how can a business practically, if we do double click on the item of influencing a supplier base, right? The duty that you mentioned, how can a business practically lay the groundwork for sustainability uh, topics, sustainable development within within the supply chain, whether that be environmental or social? So you have uh, you have different levers, uh, some sharper than others. You right. <laughs> Of course, as always, you normally the way you start is the communication part is uh, is ensuring that every time you buy material, mm. for instance, what we started doing is is asking a few elements uh, on the environmental side. Of course, the typical carbon content, recycle content. So try to understand how much circular material in a way mm. it's embedded in the material. And then uh, and then, of course, the social, you start creating certain 
parameters with you know within which each supply has to to fall right and then and then and then in terms of governance of course you also create a certain element of governance so the first thing is you communicate to the marketplace that this is the way we do business. This is what I expect from you, supplier. This is the license and, uh, to do business with us, pretty much, moving exactly. forward. Understood. And, mm-hmm. and then you provide a vision. So you say, well, this is this is where it starts, but I'm going to tell you that by 2035 or by 2050, I want to be carbon neutral. And then by 2035, I want to have a certain reduction in terms of those parameters. So you, you give them a roadmap. And then you start telling them, if you want to be part of my supply base, this is what you need to deliver because this is what right. I need to give to my customers. And so this is this is how you can participate to my value chain. So first is communicating, um, which started probably maybe five years ago. Some companies, metals and mining, probably 10, 15 years because it's so, in, the, in their case, environmental carbon intensive. And then, and then you start screening them. And then you start because the, the the next element is to put, let me put it in a in a in a very procurement way, but in very uh, monetizing the the sustainability. So you start right. saying if you if your material contains more carbon than others, then for me as a discount product, then this is the value that I give to carbon, mm. and this is the logic where I establish the value. And so you start creating maybe a soft environment first, and then you start creating a more a harder environment, and then you start uh, acting on what you say. I think this is probably where we are right now, um, right. with different level of maturity in different companies. Because of course, to be able to to give a value to sustainability in broad sense uh, means that you have done a lot of homework before to understand what is the value that you can transfer to your customers, and then understanding if your customers and then are willing to pay the value in addition because right. we should we shouldn't fool ourselves initially it comes at a cost and then of course there's an opportunity to create value through creating some premium product mm. but of course it, they have to be recognized by the marketplace you can't just decide that this is a premium product and everybody's gonna pay the premium so right uh, you know logically the supply chain, let's say the non-sustainable supply chain have been optimized for for 100 years. So now you need to create new supply chains that probably in 100 years will be competitive, but they start from a very different um, point. So obviously, there there is a premium today. I think we shouldn't fool ourselves because if we do, then nobody will do anything. Because if, you know, we, we hear a lot of people saying that sustainable material has to cost the same and as, as the non-sustainable, not going to happen. Today, not going to happen. <laughs> and, yeah, potentially so, a, a naive a naive outlook, right? I mean, a, a hopeful one nonetheless. But as you mentioned, right, to be able to get to that, to that premium, somebody's going to have to pick up the tab when it's all said and done, right? It's either you as the buying side, it's the supplier within the, the, the materials or the products or the services they're providing, or it's the consumer, right? Somebody's going to bear the cost. Uh, you you mentioned it before, uh, but you also mentioned that you know when sustainability as it's been the hot topic in, in the room during during you know the last few years, uh, but when price comes up on the table, you know that becomes the hot topic. I'm just curious, like how is it really that 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 procurement can be able to sell into the organization that sustainability poses a competitive edge to the business in the end? 
This this is the the most complex part of the conversation, and uh, and procurement shouldn't be thinking to resolve it alone. I think procurement is a lever for Great a point. business. It's it's very important. I think more and more company are connecting sales and procurement uh, because this is this is where the whole conversation goes. Uh, reflecting on and and there are instances where you can completely change the substrate uh, and then by changing the substrate you make you can make it let's say more sustainable and the cost doesn't change but you have to completely change it and then your customer need to accept to completely change the substrate so it takes some qualification it takes time so anytime you you have one of those topics you have to connect very well with the with the sales teams and you know bring in some finance person who help to do the math uh, but we shouldn't procurement people. We shouldn't think that it's 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 our duty to resolve it. It's 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 a business complexity. It's not a procurement complexity. It's very important. I think our job has to be bringing the knowledge that we hear from the customers and then creating a value chain where you are transparently talking about the constraints, the opportunity, and then and then bringing ideas to to resolve it. Mm. But it's it's. It's beyond procurement. It's that's very important to to say. I think we shouldn't be, but we shouldn't bring the idea. Like sometimes we look at it saying the cost of greener material has to be the same of the other. This cannot happen. But we should have sort of the the broad mindset to offer options to the business and and finding solution along with the business. Mm. Um, so it's uh, probably it's not. A great answer, but, no, but it's but, not a black and white solution. And each business will have to deal with the complexity and and uh, and with the fact that solution have to be tailored. And then we have to accept that maybe in ten years the solution will look simpler than they they look like now. But now you, it's a time where you need to find solutions. And uh, and uh, and again, procurement is one seat at the table. It must have a seat at the table, but it's not the only one. Mm. Yeah, it's a great it's a great point, and I think though it 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 it, it ties things together ni- quite nicely, right? You've talked today about the fact that procurement needs to be a true business partner, and within that, you have to dare as well to challenge. But sometimes challenging also means offering options to the business. And should uh, procurement make real headway and 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 expect to to develop things within a, a more sustainable supply chain sometimes somebody's gonna have to pick up the tab but it, it is up to procurement uh, you know it, it's your duty maybe to 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 show those options uh, for a for a sta- more sustainable path forward uh, but at the same time it's a, it's a team effort right and, and it sits within a broader strategy something that everybody needs to recognize so I think that it's it's a it's a, it's a great way for us to to kind of uh, tie things up here as well as 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 procurement needs to continue to be a true partner and we we really appreciate you coming on today's episode and sharing your insights with our listeners Francesco we would love to before we let you go to do something that we do with uh, all of our guests which is a little quick fire round uh, which we call our our Kodiak moment you might remember kodak the uh, camera brand they had their kodak moment capturing a a nice moment in time well we'd like to capture a little moment in time to get to know francesco basoli not only the procurement expert but also uh the person uh with a few quick questions one word or one sentence answers you ready to go 
Okay. All right. Let's go. So I'm curious, what is a book that is sitting on your bedside table or a podcast that you're listening to currently? Oh, I'm I'm reading a book which is on my I actually reading I, I'm I don't know, it's it it's sorry. It says to go. I'm reading a biography of uh, Gorbachev, the former U.S. Uh, Soviet president. I'm in a, in a period of uh, biography, so I don't know. This is this is the one that I'm reading. All right. And uh, and uh, podcast. I'm actually uh, following a lot of history podcasts these days. I'm I'm redoing all my history. So I'm first a World War, and uh, I don't know why I ended up in in this space, but this is what I'm. I'm, listening. I'm sure that there's some history buffs out there listening in that are cheering along as well as myself. So no, no worries on that. No, no reason to be embarrassed. I, I love historical aspects, especially war documentaries. Right now, I'm, I'm on a bit of a, a binge myself. So if you were going to have dinner, and maybe you're not allowed to say Gorbachev, but if you were going to have dinner with one person, alive or dead, who would it be? Oof, alive or dead? Um... No, certainly not Gorbachev uh, from the biography. It was not <laughs> fun person. I don't know. I think uh, I would uh, I would for fun invite the um, former U.S. president Donald Trump. I think the guy you may like it or not, but I think he's he's certainly entertaining. So definitely, that probably that's where I would go. It could be interesting to pick his brain. That's for sure. Um, <laughs> the last one, then we have a, a, a Swedish saying, a paradret, which is the dish that you make somebody for dinner to be able to really impress your go-to dish. If I'm coming over to, to dinner at the Basoli household, what are what are you making for dinner, Francesco? That's easy. So I'm, I'm I'm Italian. So I would cook <laughs> pasta, and my favorite one is with uh, with lobster. Mm. So lobster pasta, spaghetti elastice. It's it's uh, it's the perfect way to impress. I would definitely impress you, <laughs> and my family will be happy to. Looking forward to it. Uh, I just need to get over <laughs> to Switzerland first. Thank you so much for taking the time to be able to be on today's episode. If people want to reach out to you or, or get in touch or learn about what you're doing, uh, how can they be, be able to best do so? They can do by by email. Um, I I don't know if you can add my email, but it's it's very simple. Name sure. dot surname at gmail .com. So happy to to follow up with anyone who would be interested to to connect. And of course, a growing uh, LinkedIn profile as well. Um, so you can find wow. Francesco there as well. But thank you so much for today's episode. Thank you for being on on the the, the episode, and and I'm looking forward to the lobster pasta. <laughs> Thanks, Sam. Yeah, you're invited. Fantastic.